What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. Back at it again today, Thursday, January 16th. Hopefully, all you guys have had a nice, good, enjoyable week. This week has gone by very fast, so hopefully you're taking advantage of all the opportunities that are being presented to you. Hopefully, all you guys are doing good, man. Stay prayed up. Continue to count your blessings. Don't think about all the negatives in your life. Always count your blessings because that's the most important thing. Once you you know appreciate the little things, you're going to appreciate the bigger things even more. So with that being said, though, so last night I watched, I mean, I always watch a whole bunch of college basketball games. So I decided I was going to talk about some other teams in college basketball outside of my Spartan Dogs in the Big Ten. So I decided to watch some Big East basketball and I watched Big East basketball for the most part. It's a lot of good teams in the Big East this, this year, actually. And matter of fact, I know the Big East was a very big thing when it comes to basketball back in the 80s. You know, obviously they had Syracuse and Coach Bayheim. They had John Thompson at, in Georgetown with um, Patrick Ewing, who's the coach of Georgetown now. You had the Villanova squads. You had Louis Carnesecca at St. John's. You had a whole bunch of really good teams in the Big East. But I want to tell you guys today, the Big East is definitely back. It's a lot of really good coaches, and it's only going to get better, especially once UConn and Danny Hurley join the conference next season. It's going to make them even better because it's just a lot of really good coaches. They're getting a lot of really good talent. It's honestly better than some of the Power 5 conferences, if you ask me. This year, I'd probably say the Big East is probably the second-best conference. Honestly, I think it's better than the SEC. I think it's better than the ACC. I think the only conference that's better than the Big East this year is the Big Ten. And that's not me being biased towards Michigan State. I just think, you know, we have Iowa. You have Ohio State, who hasn't played good, but they're still good. You have a whole bunch of different teams. Rutgers playing really well. They might make the NCAA tournament. Michigan's there. We know the wins that they have. So I'm just saying, but the Big East is definitely back. So before you count the Big East, do not sleep. So last night, though, we had a really good matchup between the 18th-ranked Seton Hall Pirates, who came into this game with a record of 12-4. and four. They headed all the way down to Indianapolis to take on the Butler Bulldogs, the fifth-ranked Butler Bulldogs, ranked number five again. Um, and they came into this game with a record of 15-1. and one. The only loss that they had was at Baylor, where they lost by one point against the Bears of Baylor, who are currently ranked number two right now. So that's not a bad loss. But... This game went down all the way to the wire. The final score ended up being Seton Hall 78, Butler 70. But trust me, the game was much closer than that. But let me get into the box score before we talk about the actual game. So for the Butler Bulldogs, Kamar Baldwin, who was their superstar player, had 19 points, 6 assists, 3 rebounds, 1 steal, and 1 block. Aaron Thompson had 6 points, 3 assists, and 2 rebounds. Sean McDermott had 11 points, 1 assist, 3 rebounds, and 1 steal. Bryce Enzi had 6 points, 1 assist, 5 rebounds, and 1 steal. Bryce Golden had 4 points, 1 assist, 3 rebounds, and 1 block. Christian David had 2 points, 2 rebounds, and 1 steal. Jordan Tucker had 14 points, 1 assist, and 10 rebounds. And Derek Smits had 6 points and 3 rebounds. And Khalif Battle scored 2 points, 1 assist, and 1 rebound. Four. The Pirates of Seton Hall, Miles Powell had 29 points, 2 assists, 7 rebounds, 3 steals. Quincy McKnight had 11 points, 13 assists, 7 rebounds, 1 steal, and 1 block. Jared Roden had 13 points, 1 assist, 8 rebounds, and 1 block. Miles Kale had 2 rebounds and 1 steal. Romero Gill had 17 points, 1 assist, 4 rebounds, and 3 blocks. Tyrese Samuel had 3 points and 1 rebound. E.K. Obiagu had three points and two rebounds, and Anthony Nelson finished with two points and one assist. So, 
the beginning of this game kind of started off pretty fast. So the beginning of the game, Miles Powell uh, found Quincy McKnight for a really good pass to a three in the corner. And then Sean McDermott came right back down for Butler, hit a three. And then Miles Powell came right back down right after that and hit a three. And then the game started to slow down. The first couple minutes, it was kind of fast. The first two minutes or so, then the game started to slow down. And you can tell Seton Hall's length was really disrupting Butler. And if you guys don't know, I've actually already talked about Seton Hall on this podcast because we played, they played my Michigan State Spartans earlier in the year at the Prudential Center in New Jersey, and we won. But Seton Hall is one of the most lengthiest teams in the entire nation. They have a couple, they have a 6'10 guy, they have a 7'3 dude in Romero Gill. EKO Biagu, I believe, is like 7'6'11, Florida State transfer. So they just have tremendous length. And Miles Kale's probably like 6'6'-ish. Um, they just have a whole bunch of really, really good, lengthy players, and that's why their defense is so stiff. And the same for Butler. Butler's not as big as a team as Seton Hall is, but they play really good defense. But Seton Hall's length, you can't replicate that in practice. And it was really disrupting Butler in the early going. You can tell it was a big thing. And so, you know, even though Seton Hall was struggling to score for a minute there in the beginning of the game, Tyree Samuel, 6'10", I believe is a true freshman, um, came into the game and he is not your average six ten player. If you you know usually you have a six ten player, you're probably gonna put them somewhere in the low post or the mid range game somewhere. Tyree Samuel stays on the perimeter and he lives and he dies on the perimeter. He shoots threes at a high clip. He had one three last night, but he played really really well. He had a big time three in the game. He was a spark plug for Seton Hall, no doubt in my mind. And also Seton Hall was forcing. A lot of turnovers. Now they played a matchup zone a little bit last night. They played a little bit of a, a full court press last night, man on man. They did a little bit of everything, and Butler didn't really react to it too well. They didn't handle it too great as a team. I feel like they could have done a lot better with handling the ball. I believe they finished with they finished the game. Butler had 11 turnovers on their home court. You cannot do that. While Seton Hall had nine turnovers, so that was a big thing too for the Butler Bulldogs last night. Also. When Miles Powell left the game and went to the bench for Seton Hall, Seton Hall had a tough time getting buckets. And that should not be the case anymore, especially because Miles Powell missed a couple games earlier in the year with a concussion or earlier in the season with a concussion. So Seton Hall, they need to learn how to start getting more consistent buckets with Miles Powell not being in the game. And that was a big thing. And as soon as pretty much as soon as Miles Powell checked out of the game, Butler went on a run. And a big thing for Butler was Jordan Tucker. Jordan Tucker, I believe, is a redshirt junior now. Originally transferred in from Duke, and he was on fire. He came into the game last night, made an inbounds pass, ran off a couple of screens, right, boom, boom, got the ball right back, shot the three, got a lucky bounce, went in. And he was a bug. He has one of the most prettiest jump shots in all of college basketball. He has an automatic jumper. Like, go watch Jordan Tucker. I'm telling you, that jump shot is really pretty. And he is a sniper, and I mean that. He is a very good shooter. He had three threes in the first 10 minutes alone. So that should just tell you all you need to know right there. And another thing, Seton Hall was crashing the offensive rebounds much, much better than Butler was. I remember one play, Miles Powell took a deep three. You know, I know you guys have heard that phrase before. He took a deep three. He missed it. He chased it all the way down from, he was pretty much in between. He was a little bit closer to the 3.9 and half court, but he shot a deep three, missed it, 
chased the ball all the way down, almost got, or he got to the rack, but he missed an easy layup. You know, he tried to shoot it with his left hand on the right side of the glass, missed the layup. But just little plays like that, Butler shouldn't be giving up, especially when you're at home playing in front of your home crowd. You should just have a different type of energy. And I just didn't feel that last night for the most part for Butler. Even though they did play good for majority of this game last night, I just feel like you can't be giving up offensive rebounds. And that was a big thing too. Quincy McKnight, even though he's, you know, he is one of the best defensive point guards in the league too. He's also a very, very good rebounder for the Pirates. And he was a big reason why they got a whole bunch of offensive boards last night too. And another thing was the Seton Hall matchup zone. The matchup zone to me, I think it does two things for Seton Hall that really helps them out a lot. I think one, the announcer said, I believe it was Nick Ball who said it last night. He said it keeps Romero Gill in the paint so he doesn't have to leave and guard the three-point line or the mid-range or anything like that because he's a, he's really an anchor. He does not like to leave the key unless he's going to play offense on the other end. When he's on defense, he loves to just stay in the paint. Obviously, in college basketball, there's no such thing as three de- three sec or excuse me, three, three in the key on the defensive end. And so he loves to do that, and that's a big thing. And the second thing that I think the matchup zone does for the Pirates is it gives Miles Powell a little bit of relaxation time for when they need him on offense because he doesn't have to guard multiple positions because in the Big East, the offenses in the Big East are predicated around ball movement, hard cuts, sharp cuts, and stuff like that. So when you play a matchup zone, Miles Powell can catch his breath, you know, take a little bit of time off while being actually in the game. So on the offense, offensive side of the ball, he can get going. And that was a big thing for Seton Hall too. And so that was pretty much good. And then... Kamar Baldwin. Now, Kamar Baldwin is funny because he's been at Butler. He's it's his senior year. He's been making big time plays ever since he was a freshman. And last night he was continuing to do the same. This dude is super special. He had a nice little pick and roll game on Romero Gill. He didn't want to step out and guard him. So Kamar Baldwin just put up for an easy mid-range jumper. And then right after that, literally probably a couple plays after, he made a nice, nice crossover move. He attracted the help side defense, which at the time I believe was EK Obiagu, and he got him in the air. And he threw a nice pass for an easy layup to Aaron Thompson, who scored the bucket with just about eight minutes left in the first half. And then Anthony Nelson, I think he either hit Aaron Thompson or Kamar Baldwin with a nice behind-the-back crossover move for a layup. And that ended a Seton Hall five-minute scoring drop. They didn't score the ball for five minutes in the game. And yet, they still managed to keep the game close. And that was the biggest thing right there. When that run happened, I forget the exact run, but again, Seton Hall went on a five-minute scoring drought. Butler didn't take advantage like they should have. Like they did to a, a, an extent, but they didn't take full advantage of that momentum that they were having. And then um, Sean McDermott had a, a very, very nice reverse layup off a great pass from Kamar Baldwin. And at the half, the score was 40 to 30. The Butler Bulldogs were leading the game. And in the second half, the game got even more intense. And I also want to just say, put this out there. That game last night, this game last night, it honestly felt like a Final Four slash Elite Eight matchup. And Butler, they have a very historic basketball um, pedigree. You know, Gordon Hayward back in the day, or not even back in the day, you know, about a decade ago. So they have a really good franchise program at Butler. But in the second half, the story of the game was two players for Seton Hall, Romero Gill and Jared Roden. Romero Gill... You can tell that Kevin Willer definitely enforced getting the ball to Romero Gill. He has been really, really good in the past couple games for Seton Hall, and last night he was no different. He had a couple plays where they just, they simply just ran him off a screen. He's 7-3. They threw him the ball, and he would dunk it. And he had one that was an and one, and he was making his free throws. And he had a couple plays where they pretty much cleared him out. Kevin Willer set it up so he can get a nice post clear out. They got him the ball, and he just, he's getting his touch together. Like he has a really good 
uh, footwork. He knows how to carve out space in the paint to get freedom. He knows how to put his hands up to ask for the ball and call for the ball and demand the ball. And he just did a really good job of that last night. And he was the X factor, if you ask me, for Seton Hall last night. And he just, he was, he got it going. And that was a big thing for him too. Again, he had like three, I think he had probably four dunks, three dunks in that second half uh, alone. And he was really, really good. And then Butler, they got really going. Even though they led at the half by 10, Seton Hall made a little nice run to get back into the, I mean, to get closer into the deficit. And Butler really, really took advantage of getting their ball movement back in order. They got the ball popping, and in result of that, they got better shots. And I truly believe, like, the, Coach Pop is the is the main man behind this. Ball movement always leads to better shot selection, and that's exactly what Butler did for a majority of the night in that second half. And Kamar Baldwin, he had a disgusting, and I mean disgusting, reverse layup. I forget who was guarding him, but he just blew past his defender. He was in the corner, the left corner. He just blew past his defender. Romero Gill was under the rim, of course, 7-3 guy. Kamar Baldwin went up, reversed the ball on one side of the hoop, scored on the opposite side of the like did a full windmill reverse layup, brought the ball from his left hand to his right hand for a reverse layup, and it was just nasty. Really got the Butler crowd going, and that was just a big-time spark plug for them right there. And then Miles Powell, this dude, again, he scored 20, I believe he had 29 points last night. And it was a quiet 29 points. And I mean quiet. Like, he was, you can tell he was getting buckets. It looked like, if you were watching the game, it looked like he had somewhere between, like, 18 to 24 points. He finished with 29 points. Like, that's how good of a score and legendary of a score that Miles Powell is. He is one of the best scores that college basketball has ever seen. And I know they have Marcus Howard. We have Marcus Howard this year at Marquette. But trust me, Miles Powell is different. Like, for him to have 29 points on a quiet night, says all you need to know about him. He did a really fantastic job of not forcing the issue too much, even though sometimes he has to when Seton Hall's offense gets stagnant. He did a pretty good job of just getting his shots, you know, letting the plays come to him. He had a really nice play where pretty much he started off in the post. His big man set him a screen at the elbow at the free throw line. He ran past it, caught it, took a jab step, and just pulled up for three, and boom. And he, he also does a really nice job of selling his uh, shot. Like, he... He knows how to do what NBA players have mastered nowadays, where you pump fake, get the defender in the air, and then, you know, put yourself to get the contact, and then you get to the free throw line for three shots. Miles Powell does a really good job of that, and that's why he's going to be a really good NBA player um, next year and for the rest of his career. And so he did a good job of that, and he was heating up in the second half especially, even though, again, he had a very, very quiet, quiet game. And, I mean, it wasn't, you know, super quiet, but it just wasn't, the type of night where Miles Powell was absolutely on fire. And he really caught fire with about seven minutes left in the game. So that was that. And then Aaron Thompson, who is Butler's probably their most prolific defender, he fouled out of the game with six minutes and 28 seconds left. He was guarding Miles Powell for majority of the night. And again, Miles Powell got him in the air and, you know, pump faked him, got him in the air and shot three free throws. And he got Aaron Thompson out of the game again. Butler's best defensive player, arguably, him or Kamar Baldwin, he fouled out Aaron Thompson with six minutes and 28 seconds left in the game. And I knew right there and then that was going to be a big blow for Butler in order for them to win this game. But then, probably with about three minutes left in the game, Kamar Baldwin was guarding Miles Powell. He forced a steal, and I thought this was the play of the game. I thought this play right here was going to make Butler win this game. But Kamar Baldwin, again, was guarding Miles Powell. He forced a steal on Miles Powell, got the ball. Led to an and one. He got the ball, took it all the way half court, made a nice shifty move, passed the ball to Sean McDermott, who pump faked uh, Romero Gill. 
and scored the ball and one foul, one more free throw. And that fouled out Romero Gill with about three minutes left in the game. And that made the score 66 to 65. Butler took the, the lead with that play right there from um, Kamar Baldwin forcing the steal and passing to Sean McDermott for an and one. And so Butler led at that point 66 to 65. And then Seton Hall had the ball. So this is probably the last couple minutes of the game. Seton Hall had the ball. And I forget what exactly happened, but uh, Butler was playing pretty much good defense. They tipped the ball out of bounds. It was still Seton Hall's ball under their basket, inbounding it. And pretty much, you know, they got another tip, passed it, right? So Miles Powell then goes from the elbow to the opposite elbow, sets a screen for Jared Roden. And, and let it be known, it's two seconds left on the shot clock. Jared Roden gets the screen from Miles Powell. He runs to the left wing, catches the ball, shoots the ball, hits it for three. And that was probably the game-winning shot, to be honest with you. And that put Seton Hall up by five points. The score was 73-68. to 68. And then Kamar Baldwin goes down the opposite side of the floor for Butler. He gets to the rack, misses the layup, but he gets fouled. He goes for two for two at the free throw line. He makes the score 73-70. to 70. Seton Hall still leading. And then... Butler calls a timeout. Coach Laval, Jordan, and Butler, they call a timeout. And then Quincy McKnight, they foul him. They tried to get a press and run a trap to stop Seton Hall from getting across half court because they had plenty of time. I think it was probably about 34 seconds left in the game. And so they couldn't get it. They foul Quincy McKnight. Quincy McKnight goes to the free throw line. He shoots one of two from the free throw line. Then the score is 74 to 70. Again, Seton Hall still leading. And then a shot that I was very questionable on taking. Kamar Baldwin had the ball. He goes pretty much full court. Pulls up for three, and I don't think he should have shot the three, honestly. He goes, like, directly to the top of the three-point line and just forces up a three-point shot. And he had plenty of time to get to the rack, but instead he forces up a kind of hero ball shot, shoots the three, clings off the backboard. It looked like he was going to get the offensive rebound, but him and his teammate both kind of got it, and they didn't know that they were teammates. They lost the ball. Seton Hall got the ball. Uh, E.K. Obiagu ended up with the ball. He goes to the free throw line. He hits both two very big clutch free throws. He goes two for two. And that makes the score 76 to 70. Butler gets the ball back. Then they turn it over. Seton Hall gets a steal. They get a nice run out. Jared Roden throws down a hammer dunk to end the game. And Seton Hall got a big time win, ending the game on a 13 to 4 run. And again, the Pirates won the game by a score of 8, 78 to 70. So that was a big time road win and a big time gut check win and a very big time tournament resume win for the Pirates. Kevin Willard did a really good job of making adjustments throughout that entire game. Big time win for the Pirates of Seton Hall. Kind of a depressing and sad loss for Butler, but I know they'll bounce back because they have a really good team. But again, nice win for Seton Hall. They advanced to a record of 13-4. and Butler drops their second game of the season, going to 15-2. and Very, very good teams in the Big East. Both will make the tournament. Should be a very, very good Big East season. And that was a very good game. Seton Hall got the job done. Again, winning the score, winning the game with a score of 78 to 70. So with that being said, though, as always, shout to Nuts and Bolts Sports. I am featured on their podcast network, but they have a lot of other really great podcasts on their network. Go check out all those. That is at Nuts and Bolts Sports. And I'm also featured on their college basketball blog. I just dropped a blog on Cassius Winston. Go check that out again. That is at Nuts and Bolts Sports. And they also have a lot of really just great content all around. Whatever you love for your sports needs. Trust me when I tell you guys, Nuts and Bolts Sports has it all. Whatever you need, whatever sports you love, 
go to at Nuts and Bolts Sports. But with that being said, this has been another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast. Please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share, and all those other good things. And if you listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rate and review. That's how we share and expand the podcast. But as always, have a great, beautiful, and blessed rest of your week. And I will talk to you guys soon. Peace, love, and blessings gone.